0: He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on you. The Leader's Cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Leader's Cut. Let me just say something (laughs) about all of you. You're amazing. I I love the comments down in the comment section because you people don't, just listen or watch stuff, that's clear. You're not just consuming it. It it really is fun to hear your perspective of what you're hearing God say to you through our time together. So I just want you to know, I love it when you put stuff down in the comments and, and just share with me and others how God used this in your life. Let me also say before we start this conversation, That we're now, the leader's cut, is now on Google, Amazon Music, Apple, and the last one, I always forget the last one, Spotify. Because I don't use Spotify, I'm a YouTube junkie. But for those of you who love the Spotify, and some of you have reached out and said, when are you going to be on Spotify? Now we are. So, uh, you can send it out, you can consume it wherever your favorite platform is now. All right? Okay, 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 okay. I'm so excited and I kind of feel like I owe you a little bit of of energy today because last week's episode, uh, I ended up staying at the office all day Sunday after preaching twice and once on Saturday night uh, and putting the rest of last week's episode together, the content, and then filming it last Sunday night at five before I went out of town at 5 a.m. the next morning. And I watched it, it was just a little bit flat. So I just wanna say again, how much I love you all. You, you just you didn't judge the fact that I was exhausted. Uh, and I'm sure you picked up on it, but I love the gracious community. And I love that we're in family. So this week, I might be a little bit too energized because we're going to talk about something that I love to talk about. All right? So let's pray and we'll jump right into it. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for being so present with each of us. Thank you for being so present in this conversation. We want to hear your voice. We we don't want to hear my voice. We want to hear you speak, God. So would you take this time? Would you bless it? We we set it aside as yours. And we just we, we yield ourselves. We yield our hearts, we yield our minds, we yield our ears to you. Holy Spirit, would you say whatever? you would like to say, and would you take the divine knife of heaven and cut on us in every single place that is holding us back? Would you cut the flesh away to make more room for your spirit in Jesus name? Amen. Amen. All right. I know you saw from the thumbnail what we're talking about, but I want to start off with a question that wasn't in the thumbnail. Do you want to be someone who is mightily used by God in the earth in our day. I'm sure you want it badly enough. But what I'm not sure of is if you're crazy enough. And that's why I titled this conversation, Are You Crazy Enough? Like, I actually want to know, are you crazy enough to pull off the call of God on your life? We're going to talk about a facet that, in my opinion, someone who's going to be used mightily by God must possess. And this is a facet that, in my opinion, gets overlooked far too much. You got to be crazy, bro. And one of my heroes in the Bible displays the character of craziness better than most others. It's Noah. Genesis chapter 6, I'm going to kind of read you a long passage here to bring us up to speed, get on the same page on this amazing story of Noah's. Genesis 6, verse 9 says, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I'll wipe them all out along with the earth. Watch what he says to Noah. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. I love how specific his instructions are to Noah. And leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door in the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Now listen to this. God says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. God gets strong at the end of that conversation to say, I am not kidding around, Noah. This is serious. I'm about to do something you've never seen me do before. Now, here's what's crazy to me about Noah's crazy story. That most believers Read Genesis 6 and say, wow, Noah really was crazy. Glad God's never going to ask me to build a cruise ship for love struck animals. (laughs) And you're right. He won't ask you to build a boat for a bunch of animals. It's worse than that. He's asking you to build something even bigger. What God calls you to build, whether it's a church, a family, a business, a life, a legacy, whatever God calls you to build is going to seem bigger to you than that boat seemed to Noah. We're actually far more like Noah than we think. So let's take a a little bit of time and, and let's talk about a few things that in my opinion, Noah embodied that you and I need to walk out this crazy thing of ours called our calling. Here's the first thing we got to talk about. If you're going to be crazy, you got to get comfortable with crazy. Crazy is the word the scared use to describe those filled with faith. Crazy is the word the devil uses to describe you when God fills you with faith and you walk in it. I, I remember when years ago the lord told me that i was going it was time to go back to arizona and I'll, I'll never forget how he said it he said Preston, the first time i sent you to arizona which was when i was in college in 96 the first time i sent you to arizona was to give you your bride but the second time i'm sending you back because of my bride now at the time I was in one of the most amazing churches in the country and I was quite comfortable there. And here's what I learned in, in the subsequent days that leaving what is comfortable will always seem crazy to your flesh because your flesh craves convenience and curses a challenge. And Before you can be comfortable with others calling you crazy, you first have to wrestle through the fact that what you're doing is crazy because you've been called to crazy. If if they call you crazy, relax. You're in great company. The biggest hero in all the Bible was called crazy. Look at Mark chapter three, verse 21. One time, Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family, Jesus' family, heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. Listen to what they say. He, Jesus, is out of his mind. Jesus' own family says he's crazy. What he's doing is crazy. What he's saying is crazy talk. Remember, if they say that about you, put you in really, really good company. Don't let the scrutiny of the uninformed majority become your priority. You know what they call that? Peer pressure. Anybody who has ever developed the godly character of a hero has had to fight against the peer pressure of the average. Let's talk about this for a sec. Why is the perception of your peers such a big deal to you? Let me say it another way. Why do you care so much about what they think? If you do what God's created you and called you to do, they're going to call you crazy. So why are you surprised by that? Why are you disappointed by that? But it doesn't matter your answer. I have really good news. If you have some people in your life that are presently calling you crazy, God gives us a gift while we're being crazy to keep us from going crazy. And that brings us to the second thing we've got to talk about. If we're going to walk out this crazy thing called our calling, count on confirmation. Confirmation is God's memorably creative way of repeating something he's already told you. When you live a life that is devoted to walking out God's calling for your life, there are going to be days where the circumstances seemingly point to the fact that you made the wrong choice to do so. Confirmation is a gift God gives you for the days you likely go crazy due to the circumstances. When God told me I, when I was 14 what I would do with my life at the time, I thought it was to help give me confidence. And so I became very, very overconfident. 20 years later, 30 years later, I'm walking in that calling. I'm not just hearing about that calling. And now I understand the real reason God gave me confirmations all along the way. The point of confirmation is not confidence. It's conviction. God doesn't give us confirmation so that we can be proud on the way to the palace. He gives us confirmation so that we won't quit when we find ourselves in the pits. Joseph took the words the wrong way, just like many of us do when we're younger. God doesn't give confirming words so that I can be cocky. God gives me and you confirming words so that we won't quit when we feel tempted to. (laughs) So if if you're going to enjoy confirmation, you actually have to be able to admit from time to time, you feel like you want to quit. Now, watch what God says to Noah about confirmation. Genesis 6, verse 18. God says, but I will confirm my covenant with you. I I love that God says this to Noah. And here's why I love it. I love it because God isn't the author of confusion. He never wants you to be confused as you walk out the calling he's given you. And so he says to Noah, just like he says to us, and I'm going to personalize it, Preston, I'm going to confirm this all along the way. God says to Noah, I'll confirm my covenant with you, so enter the boat. Don't worry, Noah, enter the boat. You and your wife and your sons and their wives. Now in chapter 9, verse 8, we see God confirm. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants and with all the animals that were on the boat with you. Okay, so this is after the flood and the waters have receded. Then he says, I'll confirm it with the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on earth. Yes, I'm confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I'm giving you a sign, Noah, of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I've placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. God told Noah before he built the boat that he would give him confirmation that Noah would have to wait to receive until after the flood was over? Or did he? God says he'll confirm his covenant with Noah at the end. But is it possible that God confirmed much more all along the way? Yes. The rainbow confirmed God's covenant with Noah. But the fact that it actually rained confirmed God's calling of Noah. Is it possible that Noah saw confirmation all along the way and long before the rainbow? Absolutely. Think about this. Don't you think it was confirmation to Noah when the animals started walking into the boat two by two? Seriously. God tells Noah, bring a pair of every animal on the earth. Do you honestly think Noah even knew All the animals on the earth? There's no way. If I'm Noah and I'm walking around one day taking a break from building the ark and I see a rhinoceros walking across the street and 50 yards later see a rabbit hopping across the same street, don't you think Noah would start to think, hey, how in the world is this going to work? How is the rhino not going to trample the rabbit to death? And don't you think it was a little bit of confirmation when the rhinos followed the rabbits up the ramp and gave each other personal space? Confirmation was everywhere. Here's another confirmation. All the animals are getting on the boat and the last pair walks up the ramp. And Genesis 7 tells us what happens next. Verse 15, two by two they came into the boat representing every living thing that breathes. A male and female of each kind entered just as God had commanded Noah. Watch this. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. You don't think that was confirmation? But let me use this As an opportunity to talk to you. Let me talk to those of you who feel God has closed the door in your face. God doesn't close doors to keep you from enjoying paradise, He closes doors to keep you from drowning in the rain. Noah got confirmations all along the way, like the animals coming in two by two, like the door closing. But some days, the only confirmation Noah got was that the boat was still floating. Someone listening to the sound of my voice right now, no matter what platform you're hearing me speak on, hasn't gotten much confirmation at all in the last year. And you need to hear the Lord say specifically to you, no normal boat could have weathered the storms you have. The average boat would have sunk by now. God doesn't just see your boat floating in a sea of oblivion. He has his hand all over your boat. Stay in the boat. You can do it. You are almost there. And the fact that you are confirms God is with you. Here's a very important question. What happens when you don't have any confirmation from the Lord? Well, (laughs) I'll tell you from experience what not to do. Do not start looking for coincidences. Never look at a coincidence and call it a confirmation. A coincidence is something any man can manipulate. But confirmation is something only God can reveal. Years ago, when we moved uh, into the home we're in now, I think it was about eight years ago, uh, we had told our realtor, I told him at the beginning of the search, you know, Scottsdale is extremely expensive to buy a home. Our first house that Holly and I built uh, two years or so after we got married cost like $80 a square foot to build. (laughs) And then we came out here and we were missing out on houses at back then that cost three plus times as much as what homes in Texas cost. And so we knew if we were going to find a home that our children could grow up in, it was going to take a multitude of miracles. And so we told our realtor, listen, we know it. Like the, This is going to take miracles and we're going to know. And we looked at a ton of houses, knowing God would make it obvious which one was the house he had set aside for us. But we looked at a ton of houses for like a year plus, and we kept losing out on houses one after another. Can Can I just remind you, if you feel like that right now in this season of your life, that you can't lose something God never intended to give you in the first place. I remember Holly saying to our realtor, God will make it obvious which house is ours. Just like God will make it obvious that all the other ones aren't ours. And our realtor told us a story about a family um, years prior. uh, They were believers and they had fallen in love with this house. And our realtor is telling us it was absolute garbage and he didn't want them to buy it because it, it was trouble. And he, he knew that they were going to uh, lose a lot of money if they bought this house, but they were a very sweet couple and they love Jesus very much and maybe needed a little bit more mentoring because they went through this house and the wife says to the husband, God's going to give us a sign. We're gonna know if this is supposed to be our house. And they go into the garage and there's a picture of Jesus on the wall. And the wife goes, honey, Jesus is telling us this is our house and our realtor telling us the story goes. And at the very same time, I was standing there thinking, "Uh, I think Jesus is trying to tell you, you need to open up this garage door and run. Sometimes we have a tendency... To reach for coincidences and call them confirmations just because we want something so badly. We reach for coincidences when we wish God would give us what our flesh keeps desiring to receive. Now, you might be asking, how do I live a life that ensures God will give me gifts of confirmation all along the way? Easy. Confirmation is a gift most often opened by the obedient. That brings us to the third thing we've got to talk about. If we're going to be crazy enough to pull off this crazy calling of ours, don't settle for sort of. This is one of the cheat codes to my life. I'm telling you that right now. If, if you follow me, listen to me for any amount of time, Uh, Timmy as well, you're going to hear us talk about this. We're really talking about obedience. Genesis 6 verses 19 through 22 say this, God says to Noah, bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. Now listen to this next verse, verse 22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. This is a gangster verse. This was Noah's cheat code in my opinion. Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Listen, I think a lot of people, when they think about Noah, think about how righteous he was and that God said there's nobody else like him on the earth. But I think chapter 6, verse 22 is one of the things Noah should truly be remembered for. He did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Preston, here you go with that whole do-everything-God-says-obedience stuff. Listen, the only reason you would say that is because you have the wrong perspective of obedience. Stop looking at commands as orders that close doors you wish would open and start seeing them as opportunities to open doors you never dreamed he would. Besides, clearly, Jesus sees commands completely differently than we do. Remember what he said in John 15? You are my friends if you do what I command. Why is obedience such a wonderful thing? Because none of us on our own actually knows how to build this boat. None of us knows who to fill it with. None of us knows where to take it. And none of us knows how to get there. In other words, we need someone to tell us what to do and how to do it. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house... The work of the builders is wasted. Now, I want to show you something that I think is a blueprint for each one of us that I see in the story of Noah. I want you to think about the design God gave Noah for his boat. There's something very important missing from this divine mode of transportation. A steering wheel. The ark was designed for flotation not for navigation. God basically says to Noah, listen, Noah, you have no idea how to do all of this. And you couldn't build this boat on your own. And you couldn't get it where I want it to go, even if you tried. Rather than give you a chance to determine how and where this whole thing goes, why don't you just leave that all up to me? God says, because if I gave you a steering wheel, you'd be tempted to start calling yourself captain and start steering this boat in whatever direction you want it to go. Noah, do you trust me? Okay then, no steering wheel it is. There's a question that I get asked. I, I One of the things that I enjoy getting to do uh, is... Uh, help pastors and I don't mean help. Like I can do something no one else can do. I just mean to serve other pastors and, and because I grew up at gateway, uh, in ministry, I get asked questions from time to time from other pastors and, and it's been, you know, 23 years now that I've been asked some of these questions. And so there are a lot of, uh, uh just the same questions pretty much over and over from different pastors. But one of the questions that I typically get asked, and I know Pastor Robert and others do too, why do you think Gateway is so blessed? I've heard people give a lot of different answers over the years that I can't even remember all the different ways I've heard this question answered. But I'll kind of boil down for you why I think One of the biggest reasons why I think Gateway is so blessed. Because Pastor Robert built the thing without a steering wheel. Over the years, I've seen Pastor Robert being hurried into making some kind of a decision. I mean, like somebody needs an answer right away. Related to some big opportunity for him or for the church. And time and time again, I've seen him say something like this oh, hold on a couple days. You see, and this is my paraphrase, the thing about this little ship called Gateway is it was built with no steering wheel. And so I and we are going to have to consult with the GPS, who also happens to be the one who gave the blueprint for this boat, to see where he wants this to go. We're going to need to pray about it and we'll let you know what we feel the Lord is saying. Time and time again, I've seen this behavior and here's what it taught me. Obedience involves a determined no and a dedicated yes. Obedience requires a no, I will not steer this boat no matter how badly I might want to. And it also involves a I will always let God steer this boat no matter what it might cost me. If you're responsible for where your boat ends up, I got news for you. You will always be burdened with making sure it gets there. But if you leave where this boat ends up to God, he is responsible for making sure it gets there right on time every time. All you have to do is obey. The pain which comes with obedience is so much easier than the undesirable results which come with your best attempt at strategy. Don't. Don't do it. Don't don't give in to trying to become the smart one. I'm telling you right now. The people around you might not understand the strategy of obedience because they look at you and say, well, you're, you're the CEO, you're, you're the one who's leading this thing. God picked you. You make the call. Listen, people are always going to try and push you into operating in your flesh. Don't take their bait, please. Every time I've done this in the past, it's bitten me. I don't want you to get snakebitten the way I have been. Stick to your guns. Obedience is the way. And it just always works better. Is it easy? No, it's not. Is it worth it? Always. Yes. Yes. Here's the last thing, because I know some of you, uh, when you hear the word obedience, you might think what I think about. Verse in scripture that says obedience is better than sacrifice, which is absolutely God said that. He said, I desire your obedience more than your sacrifice. But I want to remind all of us as we get into this last part of the conversation. God doesn't say, I love obedience and hate sacrifice. He says, Preston, I love sacrifice, but I love obedience even more. So here's the last thing we've got to talk about. If you and I are going to be crazy enough to carry out this crazy call, choose sacrifice over selfishness. One of the things that we must understand about being crazy is that it will always require crazy sacrifices. Being a kind of crazy God can use always requires giving the kind of crazy sacrifice everyone else refuses. Let me show you. Genesis 8, my man Noah I know he wasn't perfect, but this was a G move when he gets off this boat. Remember, they'd been locked up in this boat, safe, but stuck, not being able to do anything about where they were headed. Watch what he does when he gets off the boat. Verse 18 of Genesis 8 says, so Noah, his wife and his sons and all their wives left the boat. And all of the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat, pair by pair. Watch what Noah does. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. My man Noah. He built an altar to the Lord. And there he sacrificed as burnt offerings, the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. God had told him which ones. Watch this, verse 21. This is for all of us. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice. Question, why was Noah's sacrifice so romantic to God? Because Noah's first act when he got off the boat wasn't to look around. It was to look up. When you focus on his face, you won't have to look for confirmation because confirmation will come looking for you. Noah wasn't looking around to see all of the stuff he was the new owner of. He looked to God and said, thank you. When you think about it though, It's not really that romantic that Noah sacrifices in Genesis 9, a few animals God had already set apart for sacrifice in Genesis 7. Is it really that impressive that Noah sacrificed a couple animals after having a boat full of animals? (laughs) It wasn't what was sacrificed that was so pleasing to God. What you sacrifice is not nearly as important to God as when and why you sacrifice. I remember years ago, before I was coming out here, and the Lord was saying things to me that I would under, help me understand that I was crazy and I was gonna have to be to leave Gateway, go out to Scottsdale, um, not knowing hardly anybody out here. And the Lord started saying things like, Preston, this isn't going to start the way everyone expects. Season number one is going to seemingly disappoint many. But season two is going to render many speechless because I breathe. So he was calibrating me. And one day I remember asking him uh, a really specific question. For backstory, you got to know that uh, when I was 15, I made a request that was probably crazy to the Lord. Uh, I at the time was dating a girl and she had two younger brothers. and I watched the way the three of them interacted. I'm the oldest of three boys, and I kind of always wanted an older sister. and when I saw the way these two younger brothers, interacted with their older sister in the way the older sister interacted with their younger brothers, it caused me to make a request to God very specifically and probably a little crazily. I said, Lord, would you please give me a girl and two boys in that order? Well, fast forward. That was at 15. By the time I was 30, God had given my wife, And me, a girl, Riley Elizabeth Morrison, and then two boys, Tyler Matthew Morrison and Preston Samuel Morrison. He had given me that crazy thing I asked him for at 15. And so a couple years before I was coming out, uh, Gateway was preparing me to come. The Lord was preparing me to come out to Scottsdale. And I asked the Lord, why did you give me what I asked for? when I asked you for a girl and two boys. Now, I'm just going to submit to you what I felt the Lord said in response. I know when we say, you know, the Lord said, it can get wonky. So I'm saying, this is what I felt like the Lord said in response. When I said, why did you give me a girl and two boys when I asked for it? Here's what I felt like he said. Because Preston, this season of your life is going to cost you more then you can wrap your mind around. And on the days where I ask you to sacrifice the most, I want you to walk into your oldest child's, your daughter's room. I want you to walk into her younger brother's rooms. And be reminded that before all of this started, Preston, I did this. I want you to be reminded on that day that what you've given up is so far less than all that you have received. Crazy sacrifice. Will always be a part of being crazy enough to walk out your calling. Now, I want you to think about something, because this is kind of how my brain thinks. And if we're running together, it wouldn't surprise me if this is the way your brain thinks, too birds of a feather flock together. Why would I settle for doing what is acceptable to God when I can go the distance and do what is pleasing? To God. Noah's sacrifice was pleasing. The aroma, the smell of his sacrifice was pleasing to the Lord. I used to get so scared when it was time to sacrifice, when God would ask for something extravagantly expensive for me and Holly. And I still Every once in a while, I feel that feeling, but it's different than it used to be because back then I'd get scared when it was time to sacrifice because I was so busy counting the cost. But these days, now all I really find myself doing is crying when it's time to sacrifice because nothing I could ever give him will ever truly communicate to him just how I feel about him. Maybe you are in a similar boat. And as I talk about sacrifice, you're saying, Preston, I can't wait to sacrifice. I, 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 all I want in my heart is to obey. I dream of having confirmation and getting the chance to be crazy for the Lord. But what do I do if God hasn't even given me the blueprint for the boat yet? Okay, listen, just me and you. Don't tell anybody else that I'm telling you this. This is a cheat code. If you know you were created to be crazy, but God hasn't given you the blueprint for your boat yet, here's what you do. Work on someone else's boat. Not just any boat. A boat God's already given a blueprint for, not just somebody's great idea, their ark. Show God you can work on their boat and he'll know you can work on his. This this whole conversation has been about one word, crazy. And let me give you the Greek word for crazy. Existemi. Now, existemi has two definitions. The first is to lose one's mind. But the second is to astonish greatly. Do you know what that means? That means that all this time, that the enemy has been telling you, you have done lost your mind. You can't do what God said you would do. Listen to me, never ever forget that at the exact same time, the God of the universe is using the exact same word, me," using it to describe what he created you for, saying, oh, sweet child of mine, you haven't lost your mind if you'll just hold my hand all the days of your life, the two of us are going to do things that astonish the world greatly. And the God of the universe right now is reaching out his hand to you right now saying, how about you? You in for this thing? You better be crazy because that's the only way we're going to pull this off. I, as I was just preparing and praying for this conversation, I, I really hope that some crazy people out there who have been in this season of life repeatedly bombarded with taunts from others calling them crazy but the other using the other meaning for excess to me to lose one's mind i pray that the spirit of the living god during our conversation and right now in this moment whenever you're watching this or listening to it i pray that you would hear the god of the universe saying the same word exist in me. You are not crazy. You didn't lose your mind. But you're about to, holding my hand and letting me lead, astonish your world greatly. I want to pray for you. Cause I love you so much. And prayer is one of my favorite things. Think about it, that we get to talk to the God of the universe anytime we want is one of the greatest opportunities you and I will ever be given this side of heaven that we can pray right now and call upon the name of the Lord that as your brother, I can pray. I can petition the God of the universe on your behalf that the crazier you feel, the more you would see God reveal. Let me pray over you. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you for holding us by the hand. You are so good. You're so kind. And you ask us to do such big things. And the only reason you ask us to do those big things is so that they'll be big enough to where we don't get any of the credit or glory. And you are the only explanation for it ever happening. Lord, I pray over my brothers and sisters. I can't believe I get to be in their family God, I can't believe I get to be in your family. I can't believe we get to do this. Holy Spirit, we need your help. So, so many of the people who can hear my voice right now are willing to do whatever it takes to be in the camp of the crazy. Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need your guidance. We need your wisdom. We need your power. We can't do this apart from you, God. So Holy Spirit, would you comfort my brothers and sisters who feel under a cloud of confusion? Holy Spirit, would you just blow on that cloud and cause it to move away from my family? And I pray that as that cloud of confusion moves, that the confirmation that can only come from the God of the universe, that your voice, God, would be so clear that it would be game-changing in this season of their lives. Holy Spirit, show them how to build the boat. Show them exactly when to get in the boat. Strengthen them for every day, hour, minute, and second on the boat. And would you go before them as they get off the boat and step into the land you set aside for them before the foundations of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you so, so much. And I waited till the end to give those of you who watched till the end a little surprise. Next week's episode of The Leader's Cut will be with my best friend on planet Earth, my boy, Timmy. We can't wait till next week. I'll be praying for you this week. God bless you. Go be crazy.